Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I sit down with visionary humans and ask them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and scale up the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell, and I am the founder of Visionary Life and The Visionary Method. The intention behind all of our content is simple, and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you create your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show is going to help you consciously create a life you love on your own terms. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. This week on the show, I'm sitting down with Mary Fuver of Kaya Naturals, a clean beauty brand for busy people. With hundreds of five-star reviews, Kaya is the brand behind one of the most well-known natural deodorants, and that's the Takasumi Detox Deodorant, which I'm sure some of you are already using. Mary is a veteran marketing executive and former product developer, having worked for multinational brands such as Yves Saint Laurent, Revlon, Elizabeth Arden, and Shoppers Drug Mart. And now she's the chief visionary officer behind Kaya Naturals. More about Mary and the brand she's built momentarily, but first I want to share a few visionary updates. So number one, it has been a really great past two months. I know the weather here in Toronto has been pretty awful, and as I record this, it is snowing once again, (laughs) which is quite the shock. However, um, you know, I've had a chance to take a step back and to not be insanely busy. And between the balance of my consulting business, I do digital marketing consulting for various brands and my coaching business, uh, which includes the visionary method, both the group program and the private clients. It's just been really nice to be grounded and to not have a million social events on the calendar. But I know that I am gearing up for a couple of busy months Um, ahead. We've got another podcast tour to Prince Edward County for a few days. Uh, I am teaching the business course at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, which is pretty demanding because they are long days and we are partway through the visionary method. So there's lots going on. And I know that with the change of seasons, there will also be a bit of a change of pace in my business, but in the best possible way. I think most of you know, I love what I do and it's never a hassle to um, do the things that absolutely light me up. Uh, On that note, I do want to let you know that It is March 31st at the time of this recording, and if you want to start coaching with me in April, I do need to know sooner rather than later, um, and I do only have one spot left. So I'm sharing this because if you do want to start up or scale up your business, I would absolutely love to chat with you further and just get to know you better to see if it's a good fit. So if you go through my one-on-one coaching, we talk about your goals and your visions, and then we write a business plan together. We go through your marketing strategy, implement your website and social media and your sales funnel, um, and a lot of community building, email marketing, and all the good stuff that really will help you in every angle to grow an audience and to sell something amazing that you are very passionate about. So reach out. You can find the contact form on KelseyRidal.com or, of course, just find me on Instagram. And just last thing here, we do have the Visionary Life Retreat coming up. So that is on Sunday, April 14th. So if you want to come to that because you feel like you haven't attended a live event in a while, or you're feeling a little uninspired, or you've been kind of unmotivated over the course of the winter, then get your butt out the door and come to our Visionary Life event. It's hosted in a beautiful loft in the East End of Toronto. You've probably seen the pictures that I've posted. I'm really excited to share this space with you. And we're gonna have just so much fun. There's incredible activities I have planned to foster connections. So don't worry if you're coming alone. We've got a 90 minute peak performance and optimal living training. So if you're interested in health and really up-leveling your daily routines and who you are and how you're showing up in the world, this will be for you. The second part of the day after we have a really nourishing lunch and we dig into our swag bags and all that cool stuff, 
Second part of the day is really a business and a branding training. So diving in deep into what are the characteristics that you need to run a successful business and what's the state of social media right now. So I actually only have three tickets left to the Visionary Life Retreat. You can find those at kelseyridle.com retreat or click the link in my Instagram bio. Okay, so back to my intro with Mary. In 2010, Mary left the corporate world and founded her own beauty brand, Kaya Naturals, which has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, in Vogue, and the New York Times. Her products, such as the charcoal natural deodorants, have also won numerous awards from Mind Body Green, Nylon Magazine, and it's an Allure Reader's Choice Awards nominee. So incredible what she has been able to accomplish. I just finished recording with Mary and we chatted for almost two hours. Um, Unfortunately, I only recorded the 45 minute or an hour interview, Um, but she is such a wealth of knowledge, was such an inspiration to me and a true veteran of the beauty industry. And in my eyes, a total visionary who created Kaya out of a desire to see cleaner beauty on the market. And she's done just that. Last week, I actually booked myself in for a makeup lesson at a place here in Toronto called the Detox Market, which they also have in LA and maybe a couple other places. But as soon as I walked in, uh, so many of the Kaya Naturals products caught my eye and it was just so neat to see the impact that her beauty products are having on the industry. And in the show, Mary recommends the top five products that she suggests that we all switch to buying natural. So no matter whether you are very holistic yourself or you've just been thinking that maybe you should switch a few of your products, she does recommend things like sunscreen should be natural, deodorant because you're putting it near where your lymph nodes are, your lipstick, your lotion, so face lotion, and foundation. So If you want to check out some of the products that Mary has and Kaya Naturals have created to help this, I know they have a few of them. I would highly suggest the detox kit that uh, you can switch from conventional to natural deodorant. And I know you're going to love this episode with Mary. She's, again, a total inspiration and was fabulous to connect with. So go follow Kaya online at kayanaturals.com or follow Kaya Naturals on Instagram. I'll see you at the other side of the episode. Enjoy. Okay, Mary, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here, and I can't wait for the listeners to get to know you and to hear your story of Kaya Naturals. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelsey. So why don't we just go right into it with some rapid fire questions. This is how I start all my interviews. So just answer the first thing that comes to mind. We'll start with an easy one. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Wellesley, Ontario, uh, which is just uh, a little village uh, in between Waterloo and Stratford, Ontario. Um, Which is funny because when you came in, we made the connection that I also grew up around there too. So we've got similar roots. We sure do. How many hours of sleep do you get every (laughs) single night? Well, I try to get eight because I absolutely need my sleep and I feel like I, that is my, um, my health ticket. If I don't get my sleep, I'm going to get sick. So I, I try to get eight hours. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, those weeks when you feel sick or you're off because you didn't sleep enough, your business also suffers as a result. So So it's worth it. Very important. Uh, what's one thing you do every single day that you deem to be non-negotiable? Well, I actually uh, make this crazy cocktail smoothie every morning. And the reason that I believe that is, again, if you don't have your health, um, you know, your business and everything else that goes with it uh, is going to go down the tubes. So for me, I really believe that there's immune boosting uh, vitamins. I have a moringa powder that I put in, etc. And I, a lot of my employees say, you never get sick. Mm-hmm. And I swear it's because I get eight hours of sleep and I drink the darn smoothie and all my vitamins are in there let's get a little more specific what are a few things besides the moringa you put into that concoction (laughs) i put in chia seeds um and i also put in a lot of flax seed Mm -hmm. uh my big and i mix it all from kefir because i really believe the probiotic and it's i don't like taking pills so it's better to get the live bacteria so i do and then i just think it's done with i've got good gut health Mm -hmm. uh as a result uh, sometimes, you know, I put in fruit or sometimes, um, uh, avocado just because I want a healthy fat. Mm. So I just feel if I have that in it, then, you know, I can, not that I eat lousy the rest of the day, but at least I know, okay, I've done the, 
the main mm-hmm. portion. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Green smoothie every single day. day. And no, I'm, I'm just used to it now. Yeah, I love me it. Too. Me too. Uh, is there a beauty product you feel like you couldn't live without? Well, I don't think there's one. <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> there's many. But what if I can say one thing, and this is something I've believed all my life and, and kind of how I started my business too, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later, but um, is cleansing. So uh, I wear makeup, but I, I feel that if you really want to have good skin, um, you know, you can, you can afford to kind of cheat on a clean, uh, moisturizer. You can't cheat on cleansing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a big believer in double cleansing, and I use oil, I oil cleanse. Mm-hmm. And so that's those two products, but I really believe in cleansing. Mm, love it. Good tip. Okay, so now we're going to zoom the lens back a little bit to what you were up to before launching Kaya Naturals. So maybe you could give us a brief run- rundown of what types of jobs you were working, uh, which companies maybe you were aligned with, and just what those maybe five years were like leading up to launching your business. Okay, well, it was more than five years, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can't see me, but... <laughs> I know that. She's trying to be nice. For time's uh, sake, yes. we're going to condense it yes, to a few but I'll years. I'll give you the last five. <laughs> is I was definitely in the beauty industry, uh, mainstream beauty industry. So I worked for companies like Revlon, Elizabeth Arden, um, and I, I ended up uh, at Chopper's Drug Mart working as a product developer. Um, they had a line of cosmetics called Quo, which I developed for them. Um, and that is what you know, gave me um, the knowledge to start my business and to actually do product development and contract, you know, work with manufacturers and chemists and microbiologists um, was really my, my uh, time at Shoppers and all these other cosmetic companies as well. It gave me a great deal of confidence and experience. Mm, amazing. And so when did the idea for Kaya Naturals like first hit you? Do you remember that moment? And how long did you marinate in that idea before thinking about, hey, this could actually be something that I bring to life? Well, I when I was a product developer at uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, I uh, had to travel quite a bit. And um, obviously, wet wipes are really easy travel item to take with you to remove makeup. Or sometimes when you get home and you're too tired, uh, and because I'm a big believer in cleansing, I'm not saying that you know cleansing wipes are always the best cleanser, but it was something that um, you know everybody was buying. You can see from the amount of space it occupies in the stores. Um, but I kept getting eye irritations from um, from the cleansing cloth, so I really had to deal with that issue. And when I started reading the back of the ingredients, which I could do because I was a product developer, I started realizing there is nothing on the shelves that don't contain, like no wonder I was getting eye irritations. They're really inexpensive petrochemicals that are in wet wipes. So I loved what I did and I always thought wouldn't it be cool to build something of my own and then it kind of married with the idea of hey there is no product out there that makes a cleansing wipe but a healthy cleansing wipe and here's somebody who actually knows how to make them uh, and would love to start her own business. Mm-hmm. So it took a few years before I gained the confidence and I did a ton of market research because that's the way I was trained to be. Um, and so it, it, uh, eventually, it eventually happened where I decided to take the leap mm-hmm. and start my own business. And it was that particular skew and that particular product which uh, led. Mm, very cool. And yeah, we'll talk way more about the product itself and how you came up with the branding and all that. I'm wondering, during those years when you were still employed full-time with shoppers and you had this idea for Kaya Naturals, were you working like basically around the clock to make this happen or were you just kind of dabbling in it slowly and then did you make um, a hard cut, quit your job and go full time with Kaya? Like, can you paint a picture? Because I know so many people who are doing the side hustle thing or have a passion project and they're not sure how you can balance it all. Right. I think that actually is a good question because that is the toughest part is letting go of an income, a steady income, and obviously people have bills to pay. Um, so it's a really tough one. But 
Um, I actually uh, made the, I did it sort of in stages and uh, admittedly fear was there for sure. Um, and I started doing consulting so that I wasn't working five days a week. I was working three days a week, which gave me two days a week to work with manufacturers and, and because I was still testing the concept, et cetera. So there was going to be time where I couldn't make that project go any faster, even if I wanted to. So it was good that I had that income still coming in. And I did that until a revenue stream started coming. Um, you know, it wasn't as fast as I'd like. And then it came to a point where my, my husband actually, who was a good mentor, said to me, you have to make a decision. You have to decide, are you going to give it 100% or are you going to continue just giving it 60? Um, and I decided to give it 100. And that was a tough day and it took me a while because I was always tempted to go back to consulting. But if I did that, I knew that long term, I would never build a business. So I just did it and you know, you make, uh, you make changes in your life uh, to do it. And it also helped that I had a, a very supportive partner as well. So it takes a bit, you know, so you have to look at your own financial decision and uh, the situation and decide, you know, if you're, if you're in a relationship, can the partner help carry until you think that you can? But I also advise people is, you know, maybe if you can take it in baby steps, keep a revenue stream coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know when it's ready to go. I'm such a believer in that too. I think there are so many ways we can make money these days. Yeah. And it's so much easier. So many companies don't want full-time employees. They want freelancers. They want Correct. consultants. And yeah. if you have any sort of expertise or experience, it's such a great way to bootstrap your business and make money while you're getting something started is exactly. to freelance for somebody else. So even if you don't see these roles posted on the internet, it's like, go pitch yourself to someone and see if they and need try. help, right? So I think that's really inspiring to hear that you did that. So when branding Kaya Naturals and when, when coming up with your very first product, what was that stage of your life like? And how did that first product actually come to fruition? Well, I, as I mentioned, the, um, I knew what that first product was going to be because I knew that there was nothing out in the marketplace. And yet I knew that women really wanted uh, to use cleansing cloths because they're convenient. So my goal was to make something that was very ingredient focused. So um, to look at what was in wet wipes and not put anything that's currently on the market in mine. <laughs> so Amen. that was easy. That part was easy. Uh, difficult when it came to actually formulating because it was in very early days of the natural organic movement. So finding manufacturers to work with was very difficult because most of them thought I was in that case um, because I was using these very alternative ingredients. Um, and things not typically in a wet wipe. The other op thing that I wanted to do was find something that was um, completely biodegradable, meaning not just a rayon wipe that came from trees. I found something that came from bamboo and so that you put it into earth and you know you put it in a compost and it would disappear in, in 90 days. So it wasn't creating waste. Um, that was probably early days for me because I think you know now it, it is much more a part of mainstream as people are looking for things that are not wasteful. So that was probably, I was probably first to market on that and people didn't really care as much about sustainability as they do now. Um, so I might have been off the mark on that one, but I'm not now and I have no regrets now. Um, so, so that's what really inspired my first product. And I thought I'll let that first product be my guide. And what I have learned now is that when you do innovate, you should innovate based on what consumers want, not what you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's probably a hard lesson yes. to learn. And I, I had to learn that the hard way because that one was what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're the visionary behind the business. You're like, there's nothing that exists like this. Yeah. But that actually wasn't the case. Like now I, I look at more consumer trends. And of course, social media is a huge way to innovate. Now we ask our customers, what would you like to see from us mm -hmm. next? And it guides me in a way I never expected my consumers to respond. Like I'm, I'm always shocked. Mm -hmm. So, but I have learned that lesson, and it's a really important one: is that you have to you have to deliver what customers want mm -hmm. and how how they live their lives. Mm -hmm. So um, I won't decide what I like. I will decide what my my customers will decide what mm -hmm. they like. And. So it sounds like at the very beginning stages, it was really this cleansing wipe that inspired Kaya Naturals. At this point, had you written a business plan? Had you come up with the name? Had you thought about kind of the imagery behind it all? Um, or did that come after deciding to want to create a product? 
Um, I would say in tandem. Uh, I, I think I realized at that time then that I would write the business plan and I learned a lot about writing business plans, which is probably don't spend a lot of time doing it, to be very mm -hmm. honest. Because, well, let's talk about that. Like, yeah. did you know how to write a business plan? Did you ask I, a mentor? Did you align yourself with a company that could support that? Um, how did the business plan all come together and what came from it? Well, I did like a lot of people did. I Googled it and got a lot of business plans and read through business plans and looked at them. And then I, you know, coming from large corporations, I was very disciplined in the way I approached um, research. And, you know, you know, you have a, a PowerPoint deck for everything. Um, so I followed that PowerPoint big corporation um, strategy plan um, and uh, business plan uh, process. And I will tell you, that probably was a complete waste of time because I had zero, um, you know, predictability measures on how things were going to unfold. Mm -hmm. The only time that you really need something like that is when you're really boring money or you have investors and you have to flush it out. But they also know that you do not, you're not, you know, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know how things are going to unfold. So I wouldn't say spending a lot of time on your business plan. Mm -hmm. I think spend a lot of time on figuring out what consumers want. Yeah. And talking to people. That's right. And making a case around that. Mm -hmm. Did you know who your target consumer was going to be? Like oftentimes it's the us of five years ago or who we are right now. Did you have that vision of who would be buying your products and who is your target market today? Well, it, it has, you know, my target market now because of... Um, at that time, yes, I had a target market. It was people who use wet wipes, and so that was a pretty broad range. Um, but it was also people who cared about ingredients. And that was more of a psychographic, we call it, than a demographic. So people who were well-educated, who really understood the natural and organic industry and were probably already shopping you know, in, in natural and organic stores. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And so what, um, what subsequent products, like our natural deodorant, for instance, you know, we thought we were t targeting millennials, but when we actually look at our, our, our dashboard and our Google Analytics, and we look at certainly our online customer who it is, it skews much older than that. Mm -hmm. So what we found is that um, it isn't that young, young uh, my, it is a 35 plus mm -hmm. consumer that is actually purchasing. So it's not who we thought it was at all. It's, uh, it's who, who really has the disposable income to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and possibly cares about natural deodorant because they're worried about breast cancer at more mature stages of life. Mm -hmm. So it, um, it came as a bit of a surprise, but now we follow that, that target. And so we've shifted our marketing a bit as a result. So you've mentioned natural deodorant a couple times. So for the consumer who maybe has only ever seen your wet wipes or who actually doesn't know any of your product selection, walk us through how did you know, first of all, that it was time to launch a second product? And now take us to where your product line is at today. Okay. Well, the, the, the second part, the first part, which is how did I know when it was time? Um, retailers. Uh, I really, I had established a good channel of distribution by then. And they were buying my very first product. And, you know, they were saying, are you going to come up with anything next? And I started surveying, what are people asking for? Um, and natural deodorant was the next one. But they guided me on how to formulate it, as in what not to put in, because, you know, for instance, baking soda was one. A lot of natural deodorants have baking soda, but my retailers told me if I formulated one with it in, they wouldn't buy it because they took too many returns. So that is a really good market research, is to find out what they don't want as much as what they do want. Mm -hmm. And retailers, of course, here consumers all the time so they're a good market to tap into when you're making decisions as well as what do retailers want what do buyers want um, so that told me definitely about um, the deodorant for sure yeah and so was that your second product that you yes. started formulating and yeah. launched and that did really take off that yeah. market research was bang on mm. and uh, we out of the gate sold out the like within days of launching so it was really um, 
it was very timely and that was really really good we got lucky on that one is subsequent products are, are difficult from it and then our next one was a dry shampoo um, retailers told us that people want dry shampoo obviously more and more and that is tends to be a younger a millennial crowd that is um, interested in dry shampoos but they wanted one that they could spray and unfortunately in the natural market without butane and propane in a, you know a spray formula it's very difficult to make a spray without those propellants so it took me uh, a few years to, to find a patented technology to actually uh, be able to spray pure natural powders uh, from a component but we were able to find this we call it wing technology um, that can propel powders without the use of propellers mm. so that was a real innovation for us and it's done very well yeah no kidding and so what would you say is your top selling product right now is it still the deodorants yeah. yeah it's just because everybody uses deodorant every day so of course that one uh the deodorants are still our number one but uh, the dry shampoo is, has only been out for seven months it's won two awards already um and is gaining very quickly um but yeah, we're still really known for our deodorants. Mm -hmm. So I know that the average listener is an aspiring or a startup entrepreneur, but I also think that a lot of them are interested in holistic health and wellness and are on this journey of shifting to more natural products. So I do want to hang here for a second. Why is it important to choose a natural deodorant versus just grabbing a conventional one off the drugstore shelf? And I'm sure you have so many tips, but yeah, if you could explain it to someone in a couple minutes, why would you say natural is important? Well, I, you know what? That's a good question. And I, what I always say to people is, um, if I were to choose five products that you can switch to natural and leave everything else conventional, I will tell you that the five that I would choose is um, sun protection. I would uh, choose your deodorant. Um, I would also choose, um, you know, a lipstick because sometimes you, you, you are ingesting uh, mm -hmm. what goes on and because of the pigments and lead, etc. that you want that. Um, body lotion is a pretty good one because it surface area, you're putting your body lotion all over. Um, so I would take that one as well. Um, and then after that one, you know, there may be, I, I would be less concerned about, you know, eyeshadows or blushes or those, but I would then maybe choose um, a foundation or something like that, that you, um, again, are using every single day, you're applying surface area is important because you believe it or not, it, what you put on your skin goes into your bloodstream. It, and it, in fact, is scientifically proven, it does. But the reason that I'm saying deodorant is on the top of my list is because of aluminum chloride. And aluminum chloride is used in antiperspirants. And that's what stops you from sweating. And I think a lot of people, uh, they know aluminum is bad. They just don't know why and they don't know how it works. And I'll explain how it works, which is it actually forms a gel-like substance and it plugs your pores. So it actually stops you from sweating. So in your underarm area where you have many, many pores and where you have the largest surface area for sweating and for becoming wet, all those areas are plugged. Wherever you've applied that antiperspirant, it turns into a gel that just goes into those pores and plugs them. So just even that in and of itself is not really that healthy. However, it's aluminum chloride that turns into that gel-like substance that travels through your bloodstream. So despite what you know, studies have said, there's no conclusive evidence. I always say a precautionary principle, who would want aluminum chloride floating in their bloodstream? And if you're a pregnant woman, if you're, you know, approaching, uh, you know, your senior years, exactly, there is an association. They don't know exactly what it is towards Alzheimer's, but I just don't know anybody that would want aluminum chloride in their bloodstream. And I also, I don't really think that blocking your pores and not allowing yourself to sweat because sweating is a form of detoxification. Mm -hmm. So if you're at the gym and you've just rolled clinical strength antiperspirant, you've just rolled double the amount of aluminum chloride on your underarms. Um, but that's all going to travel through your system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can eat all the organic foods you want, but that aluminum chloride is going to be traveling through your bloodstream. So you really need to think about that. And, you know, if you can change, the reason a lot of people don't like to is because it's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a little bit more about that later on, but it is a, it is a transition. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be one of the first things that I would choose, that and sun protection. 
I noticed on your website, you do have a little bit of education around that, those transition phases. Yes. So could you give a high level overview of what people can expect when they're transitioning from <laughs> conventional to natural deodorant? Cause I've definitely been through it when I changed. It's not, it's not always pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why a lot of people, I'll start with the basics. Cause when I was first developing it, a lot of people would say the most common response from consumers is natural deodorants don't work. And the reason, most of the reason people say that is because most people don't know how they work. <laughs> and here's the thing is that um, they've done many studies and this is something that most manufacturers don't tell you. And this is something that I really want to tell people is so that I can manage your expectation and tell you that there has been studies, this is scientifically proven, is that when you stop using aluminum chloride, your underarms start producing double the amount of stinky bacteria. I, you know, it's, it's, everything's about bacteria. Mm -hmm. um, and there's several types, but there's one that's particularly smelly. And for some reason, they've done many studies with people who only have used deodorant all their lives and those who have used antiperspirant. When they stop using antiperspirant, those people get very smelly for a period of about 30, some, you know, depending on your body type, 30, maybe even more. So, but then these types of people aren't, people when they stop using antiperspirant are not told that and that they're gonna be really smelly. It's not the natural deodorant not working, it's you smelling more because you stopped using antiperspirant and this bacteria is populating your underarm. So you have to keep reapplying a, a, a deodorant uh, to help stop that because you've got this enormous amount of bacteria on your underarms. And that's what people don't understand. So they immediately blame the natural deodorant and throw it in the garbage and say it doesn't work and go back to antiperspirant. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate, but yes, there is a detox period. It doesn't matter which brand you're using, mm -hmm. it's it going to go through it. Now, I will admit some work better than others and that's where it comes down to individual preference. Mm -hmm. um, and in where, as earlier I mentioned the baking soda too, there is also a heck of a lot of sensitivity to baking soda. And if you have a sensitive underarm, I would suggest that you look for one that doesn't contain baking soda because you may end up with a rash mm -hmm. um, if you have one with baking. So that is a common problem with natural deodorants. But again, you just have to push through those 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we then created a second product because we kept getting emails about people being stinky. And it really did bother me. But, you know, at that point, all I could say was keep reapplying. And that's not really a good solution for somebody who's working in an office and they're desperately afraid. <laughs> they're of like, I still have to smelling. go out in public. I know. <laughs> so I thought, this is disgusting. How can I find something that can help these people out? Because I can't, you know, invent a deodorant stick that just reapplies itself. So what I, I, I was actually talking to a beauty editor about this problem because she said, so how's that going where you're telling everybody that they're going to stink when they use a natural deodorant? And I said, I said, it's funny you should ask, you know, and I get emails all the time from customers saying, I, you know, it's week three and I really smell. And she said, well, you know what I do? Because tons of companies send her product, obviously, to review. And she said she also is terrified that she's going to go to the office. And she was from the Globe and Mail, actually. And she said, and I don't want to stink if I had one that didn't work. So she uh, used to shower with a very special soap, uh, an antibacterial soap. And I thought, how clever is that? Now, when I saw the ingredients in the one that she was using, they were pretty harsh, and I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. But what I did was developed one that had, um, you know, apple cider vinegar, which bacteria can't live on, um, sodium chloride and yeah. salt, um, and charcoal, all of which bacteria hates those ingredients. And so while you're going through the detox, we just suggest if you're having a really hard time, here's a soap. Just shower, use the soap on your underarms, just whip it into a paste, just to eliminate any bacteria on your underarms so that when you are putting your deodorant on, I know it's absolutely free of deodorant and it leaves that residue of sodium and apple cider vinegar on the underarm area, which will help fight the bacteria. And we have had tremendous success with that product because people said, oh my God, it does work. Um, and so it's just making everything under there really squeaky clean to make sure that there's no bacteria growth um, while you're transitioning. Some people just like it if they go to the gym as well, just like a, a little extra insurance policy, I call mm -hmm. it, if you're a particularly smelly person. 
uh, you might want to just use that special soap mm -hmm. uh, before you apply your deodorant in the morning and you can push through. So we call that our version of clinical strength mm. <laughs> without using all the chemicals. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I would definitely encourage people to go um, onto your website and to learn more about these products and to if they haven't already, shift their deodorant from <laughs> the chemical stuff that's filled with that aluminum chloride. So I wish we could talk about all these products and, and why it's so important to, to shift to natural beauty. I could talk about this all day, but I also want to learn a little bit more about what a day in your life is like right now. And I know that so many of the listeners too are curious, what does it look like to be an entrepreneur? What does it look like to own your own business? And for you, I think it'd be really cool to hear how has your day really evolved since launching your business to what it is today? Like walk us through what were you doing back then and maybe the first year of Kaya Naturals and now what fills your time? <laughs> well, the first year I was learning how to do everything. I didn't even know how to ship a package <laughs> in my first year. So I had to learn, you know, how, because it was me. Um, and I, you know, it, I think it was after about six or seven months, I had a, a part-time uh, person come in and help me with some of the tasks. And, you know, there's only so much you can do on your own. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, at some times, it just doesn't make sense to try to do everything yourself. But again, you have to have a revenue stream to be able to, to fund it. So um, I was jack of all trades, you know, master of a few. But, um, but the thing about that was, at least I now know, when I have now a team of eight, I understand each one of their job functions because I used to do it myself. Yeah. So it's it really is helpful that I do understand what they're going through or some of the struggles that they have. But now I find myself is my day is spent making sure that each one of the different departments, if you will, um, I, are, are running. And because a lot of my team is junior, so they need to be, you know, up, I need to give them guidance and coaching. So I spend all my day shifting from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting, whereas before I was a doer. Now I have to be more, uh, you know, managerial, let's say, mm -hmm. but you know, I still, and then at night, I still have my job to do. Uh, when they leave and I spend the evenings doing what, what the task is, that I should be doing um, instead of in meetings all day. So it's really changed and you know, the number of hours that you work never changes. <laughs> A and lot. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you say when they leave, so clearly you're the last one yes, that's hanging I'm around. The first one in. <laughs> Yep, and there's always more to do. That's the problem. Totally. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting what you said about you had to obviously hire people to do the jobs that you were previously doing. I heard a quote that said, um, in order to scale up, you need to stop working in your business and start working on your business. And I think that's something that, especially in growth phases of yeah. our businesses, we can get so caught up in doing things that they need to be delegated to someone else so that we're not working in our businesses for 40, 60 hours a week and not actually working on the business. Like you are the visionary. You're the one that, that drives this business forward. So you can't be getting caught up in these mundane tasks that are taking up a lot of time. Um, and so does your team work remotely? Do you all meet in an office? What does that structure look like? Well, you know what, it's, it's interesting you ask that question because um, culture uh, is really important, especially when you're um, at early stage business, like the people that you hire matter so much because you count on them so much. Um, and I was thinking of this the other day, we actually all um, work in one big room and there are no offices, there is you know no cubicles, nothing. And I find it's a terrific way to, um, to work because we are all very involved in the business. Yes, you might. Some might say it's disruptive, um, so you have to really learn to focus. But I feel like the new, the millennials are really used to that. They they seem to be they can hone in on their phones on the subway. So I'm sure they can do it in an office too, and they they get into their own little world. Um, and so I find we we do tend to make decisions, um, you know, uh, through consensus sometimes, and I I feel that that's really important. Um, part of this is an age factor with me as well. I'm not a millennial. I have been in corporate for a long time and marketing has really changed, but marketing has actually changed every single year. Mm -hmm. And so I find by having, um, younger, uh, a much younger team, um, I couldn't do it without them because they look at the world very differently from me. 
um, even how they consume, they're digital natives, I'm not. And, you know, so I come from more of a strategy background and that's probably good for my business because, you know, I make sure that we don't go bankrupt and that we can manage cash flows and that, we, you know, that's not their forte, but they make sure that I understand how to consume media uh, because it's changed. So that's really important is your team when you can afford to hire them. A hundred percent. And in terms of marketing, one question that I always love asking every guest is, if you only had one hour to give your marketing team to work on marketing Kaya Naturals, what would be where you would spend that time today? That, totally easy question. Uh, it would be on Instagram. Instagram. I, yeah, I, that's where my head was going yeah. to. And it's only because, but I will only say that um, in, for the beauty category, that it may be not true of all business models and all business categories, but women use, um, women and retailers use Instagram as a discovery platform. And so, it, you know, I don't need to say it's getting more and more difficult on Instagram. We all know that. Um, so that one hour is probably what we could do in one hour is probably turned into five to figure out the darn algorithm. But um, it really is a discovery platform. So if we, we find a lot of our retailers come through Instagram and we certainly find our, our tribe, as we call them, uh, find us through Instagram. So mm -hmm. that for sure would be the way I do it. And do you still invest in anything such as print media or doing more advertisements that are maybe what was going on 20 years ago, even 10 years ago? Or are you really focused on the online digital space when it comes to marketing? That is a really good question because if the, the answer is it's online and it's digital space. Um, but it takes a lot of discipline because a lot of your retailers want you to spend money with them and they have trade publications they have and it's very difficult to say no um, to that and especially me because I came from an era where trade spend used to outperform uh, like traditional media spend mm -hmm. sometimes because the the trade retailers especially the big ones they can put a lot of pressure on sales uh, and marketing teams to spend money with them. But I always remember what my mentors have told me that, that that trade spending is for that retailer. I mean, it does bring you a little bit of business, but if you have a very small budget, spend it to get direct media exposure mm -hmm. for your brand on your online digital medium. And so I say no um, to trade spending as often as I can. Um, and try to invest it in my own digital media. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good tip. I still have clients who do a lot of trade spend and investing in magazines and newspapers and print articles. And I just think it, it is because they're maybe of a different generation and I realize the spending patterns have changed. So it's really important to really examine, first of all, what your brand product is, but also where are consumers most likely to see right. and take instant action. and. The nice thing about Instagram, for example, is that they can click right through and the shopping process is, it happens very quickly. Yeah. Um, so staying on the topic of just day in the life and how you run your business, is there a tool or an object or a ritual that you could not live without in keeping this whole operation together? <laughs> well, you know, this sounds so boring to say, but um, it's QuickBooks. <laughs> oh, well, no, that's You know what? Huge. I mean, it's really boring. Uh, I'm sorry, it's an accounting and I'm not, but I'm telling you, like, with that, we, for a small business, yep. I, I really recommend it because, you know, this is how we, um, we use several tools, but if there was one that's the biggest, is it QuickBooks? Because we, if it had been able to utilize that, the spend that we, you know, we, we have the online version and it's wonderful because A, my bookkeeper doesn't have to come in. They can just work remotely and B, we can run any report like down to SKU level to understand how is that SKU doing? And, you know, how is, you know, what are the sales? Let's, let's slice and dice this in 50 different ways. And, you know, let's face it, we're, we're startups. We don't have, you know, custom software to be able to run reports. So QuickBooks been, and they keep making it better and better for small business people. So, you know, plug out for QuickBooks. Like Absolutely. I'm telling you, get an accounting software for, out of the gates because mm -hmm. you need that. Then you don't have to worry about that later on. Yeah. 
and it just makes you know tax reporting, HST reporting, all of that so much easier. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even someone who's starting a freelance business or a yeah. consulting business, even if you only have two to three clients, it's still going to just make your life a lot easier for yeah. invoicing and for keeping track of expenses and things like that. So it's never too early to invest in software like that. What would you say is the best part about your business? What do you love the most right now? Well, you know what I have to say is I'm so glad that I I started my own business. And, you know, if you would have asked me that in early days, I would have said, if I knew how hard it was, I'm not sure that I would have done it. Um, but I'm really glad that I did simply because, and this sounds crazy, and I'm going to say this, you know, because I, you know, I am uh, in a, like, you know, I'm in a 50 plus um, age group. Um, but as women get older and, uh, and men for that matter, um, and I didn't start a business because of this, but what I will tell you is that your skill sets are valued less in corporate. Mm-hmm. And as your income rises, you become uh, more dispensable because corporations want to have um, you know, less expensive and particularly in marketing. So I just, you know, I love what I do and I get out every day and I, I love branding and I love what I do. And I don't have the fear that some of my colleagues who stayed in corporations have of being let go and then having to reinvent themselves at a more advanced age. It's very difficult. And our society has ageism. There's no doubt about it. And what owning my own business, I don't have to worry about that. And second of all, I work with really, I work with a younger team and it, it, and even if I didn't, I have to embrace new technology, I have to embrace digital, I have to embrace all those things that are happening all around us. And I love every minute about it. So I think it'll keep me young. And it will keep me engaged um, well into advanced ages. Like, I, I, you know, I, the word retire doesn't even enter my mind, which makes me really happy. I don't like that R word. Yeah. <laughs> also scary, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think I'll ever retire. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's for you, but that's okay because I'll be happy. <laughs> and I think, well, you know, what a great, you know, and so now I think, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I did this because mm-hmm. I can do this forever if I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know. And again, many of your listeners are probably much younger, but take it from me in, in you know, at, a, at an advanced, at, at a more mature age group is I'm so happy I made this decision because I'm going to, you know, have this business as a legacy or it's certainly something that I can do and quit when I choose to, not when I'm told to. Yeah. And I, I so resonate with that too. And I think... I had a unique experience where before I turned 26 or 27, I had been let go from two full-time corporate jobs that I loved. And that was really the triggering factor for me to say, there is no job security no matter what age you are. And I thought these were companies that I would be with forever and I could see myself growing with the companies. And then all of a sudden you get a call one day and it's like, oh, you're gone. And so that was really the pivoting factor for me and going, oh, like it's time for me to create my own income and to use all the skills I've picked up from these wonderful companies and pour them into something that I truly care about and that I want to be my legacy. So I think it's it's never the right or wrong time no. to start, but sometimes when you have those defining moments of being let go, it gives you that little push just to get it after does. it. And what you just said is your age group is even more vulnerable than mine was. Mm-hmm. There was more job security when I was uh, working. Yeah. So all the more reason why to, I just feel like control your destiny. That's my biggest piece of advice is if you are unhappy what you do and unhappy where you work, you alone are responsible for your own destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's never going to be an easy path, but take accountability and yeah. be responsible. Mm, so true. That is really like what I try to drive home through everything I do is that if you're feeling stuck or uninspired, you need to take action to change that. And it's yeah. going to be small baby steps every single day that dig you out of that hole. And eventually it's all going to compound into a whole new life or a whole new job. But you have to make those baby leaps in order to 
get that quantum return. Yeah, it was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And I have this, I, I'll just quote on this little, my, my husband used to say, uh, oh, you were in a velvet rut. He used to call my corporate job a velvet rut, which was you make a great salary, Yeah. Uh, but you're still in a rut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's what most that. And the other thing is I said I never wanted to have regrets in my old age. And if I didn't start my own business, I knew I would. So yeah. I just did it. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap this up, I want to know, this is another question that I ask all of our guests on the podcast, but for someone listening who is really just yearning to start up a side hustle or a passion project, or maybe they want to start a full-time venture, but they have no idea where to begin, what advice would you offer them based on your own experience? Well, you know what I think, live, first of all, uh, educate yourself on where the opportunities might lie. Uh, because again, you know, like my first mistake, I made a product that I liked <laughs> and I didn't really look at, you know, I, it turned out to be fine in the end, but by the same token is try to find white space uh, because you need to make sure that there's consumer demand for what you want to do, first of all. Um, and now I feel like there is so many opportunities. There's no excuse not to. The internet has become the biggest opportunity in, you know, imaginable. Listen to podcasts. Listen to, so you get ideas of what it is like to start, where maybe some opportunities are. Um, but you know, go online. There, it's a great start a blog. You know, start you know finding out what resonates with with people. There's a million ways to do it to start. But first, make sure that what you have is not something you want. It's what consumers want. Mm, great tip. Amazing. Well, this has been so insightful. I cannot wait for everyone to learn from you and to go discover Kaya Naturals for themselves. So where can people find you online? Uh, Where can we buy your products? Maybe share a few stores or is it your website? Um, Yeah, give us where we can find you. Well, it depends where you're based, but if you're in Canada, you can find us um, online at www.kayanaturals.com. We're also at the Detox Market. Um, in in Toronto as well as Los Angeles and New York for anyone who's living in the US we're also at Credo uh, again US consumers um, but we're we're pretty out there online so I think if you google that our name you'll, you'll find a place to purchase us incredible so I will link all of that in the show notes so people can go click right through and check everything out and really appreciate your time today Mary thank you so much for being on the podcast thanks Kelsey Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Rydell on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to KelseyRidle.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call, and I'd love to chat with you. 